There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Hey, Kooky. Here we are again, mate. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit, uh, a little bit confusing for me at the moment. Um in terms of how long interest rates are going to stay where they are, um, when will they start to reduce rates, uh, how hard of all these interest rate rises actually bitten into the economy. And I know no doubt we'll look at your chart a little a little while down the track, but it's a bit confusing. It's like there's parallel economies sitting out there. It's a grey area. You know, as when we get well, to well, the peak. Grey is actually the, 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 the important <laughs> word because it is the, the, the grey people, the older people oh. over 50 who are seen to be not affected by what's going on. Not affected. They're actually benefiting. You yeah. know, their, their house price is going up, back up. Their term deposits, which two years ago they were getting 0.1% if they were lucky, yeah. they're now getting 4 45 or 5% if you shop around. Yep. And they're the ones that are doing well with this interest rate hiking cycle, rising house price cycle, and it's the younger folk, I'll call them sub-50, this is being very general, yeah, yeah. with kids, with a big mortgage, uh, with a, only a moderate wage increase, no savings in the bank to benefit. In fact, they're paying more. You've got this situation where there's sort of like a two-speed economy occurring based on do you own a house and have your money in super and some term deposits versus you're still working, your real wages are still falling, you've got a mortgage and your cost of living is going up. Well, so we- that's that's the divergence. So some people are doing fine but a big chunk of the population are not doing fine. So can we look, just look at because, I mean, the, the bottom line with what the Reserve Bank does is that they try to manipulate our behaviour and it is really is a psychological game. It's a game of psychology, game of behavioural science. How do we stop enough people from spending enough money such that vendors of goods or services will stop putting that, feel as though they can continue to put their prices up. In other words, they stop putting their prices up, in which case um, we, you know, inflation comes under control. So if you look at our country, Australia, maybe this applies to the rest of the world, but let's just look at Australia. We have... Those people, as you just mentioned, over 50 um, who, you know, up until now, if they had money in deposit or if their mortgage is right down and their property was gone right up, it doesn't matter if it's come back in the last 12 months by 9% or 6%, whatever the number is. I mean, they bought it 15, 20 years ago. It's doubled or tripled. Yes. Um, so they feel rich. So it's about how they feel at the end of the day. Um how do we and has the Reserve Bank actually sat down and worked this stuff out? Like, have they worked out who are the people who feel rich and who are the people who don't feel so rich? 
They have, and that's a really telling point. And so just recently they put out this research paper that showed the winners and losers from rate hikes because, again, the Reserve Bank get lots of letters from people when interest rates were very low. Hey, I've saved my money all my life, and we're only going back two years ago. I'm getting 0.1% per annum for my savings. You can't live on it. You can't live on it. So even just say you've got 100 grand in savings. So you're doing okay. You've got a yeah. chunk of cash in the bank, 0.1%. thousand bucks. Yeah. For a hundred pay tax on a thousand dollars, you pay. You, get, you, you, you end up with nothing. Ten yeah, bucks a week, yeah. or like, that, and then add inflation to it. And you, you're you, going you, backwards. You, yeah. Now, as we're saying, you get four, four and a half, maybe even five percent if you go to one of the um, uh, banks, institutions who are offering decent interest rates. You're now all of a sudden getting a chunk of interest that you can actually live on. So that's that part of the population are benefiting from higher interest rates and, indeed, they're cheering when the RBA's been hiking. But it is, there's a bigger cohort of the economy. There are more people with debt. Mortgage debt is bigger than savings. So when interest rates go up, it's that cohort that have got their mortgage debt and, indeed, small business debt too. You know, A lot of small businesses have got an overdraft and they pay interest, of course. They're the ones that are getting crunched and that's the reason why consumer spending's weakening. So you've got this divergence between, I'm being very general here, oldies who own a house with a lot of money in the bank and maybe they're super all nicely tucked away versus the young folk who obviously super's tied up, they can't touch it. They took out a mortgage a couple of years ago. House prices, you know, they're sort of, they're up a bit, down a bit, they're not doing much and their real wages are going backwards. That is the big issue that's hitting them. And as you said, it's that animal spirits. It's, you know, what's so some people are feeling good and they're spending, you know, as I think we we're chatting just before we got on air. Go to the airports, it's the older cohort that are holidaying. They've got the going to fancy hotels and eating nice meals and jumping on a plane somewhere around the world. It's the young folk that are sitting at home and eating baked beans on toast because they've got, you know, these financial stress. And do you and does anyone ever consider the fairness of this? Some people do. No, but I'm talking about the RBA or in government. No, well, it was interesting when Dr Lowe, the now ex-RBA governor, left uh, a week or two ago. He gave a sort of an exit speech to the community and it was, it was a good speech. It was worth a read on his reflections as his time at the Reserve Bank. And he said that there is an element of unfairness. He or the Reserve Bank governor have only one tool and that's interest rates. They can't make interest rates lower for someone with a mortgage, higher for someone, you know, who's got a business loan. It's one interest rate for the whole country or have a different interest rate for Perth as opposed to Broken Hill as opposed to Tasmania. It's the one interest rate for the whole country. So So it's flawed. Yes, which is where the government can and should, to be blunt, and only occasionally does, to be Blunt, again, manage that unfairness. Through fiscal policy. Correct. Through, Through taxing, tax. spending, who do we, you know, we've, the, bu- the budget name numbers came out the other day. Yeah. The government's spending and taxing per annum is $600 billion per annum. You know, $10 billion a week they tax and spend. That's a lot of money that's going around the economy from the government alone, the federal government, not even counting state governments. So they can sort of say, well, you know, we, we realise there's a problem there, so maybe... Well, let's say old age pensioners, you know, they're doing it tough, you know, the cost of living pressure, the price of fruit and veggies and electricity's gone up. We'll bump up their pension by an extra X dollars per week to compensate them. Fair enough. I think that's a decent thing for a country like Australia to do. Whereas maybe superannuation, this is where there's going to be a hot debate, I'm sure, coming up in the next couple of years, is very generously treated by the tax system. 
So if you've got you know a chunk of cash in your super fund, you're actually benefiting at the cost of people who have to pay higher interest rates because the RBA is trying to control inflation. So, gosh, we're getting into a really complex area, but it's one that I think needs to be addressed because the interest rate lever that the RBA pulled both up and down over time um, impacts different parts of the economy so differently and that can be very unfair as we're seeing right now. Right. So if can we just look at inflation for a moment, just, just for one second, or more importantly, the calculation of CPI, which is a calculation of inflation. Yep. Right now we're seeing the Saudis and, and, and Russia um, increase the price of oil. Well, they're not increasing the price of oil, they're reducing the output, so which by definition increases the price because it reduces the supply, the demand remains the same. So the price of oil goes up, which means the price of petrol goes up, the price of all those inputs go up here in Australia, which, you know, is is inflationary in itself, okay? That's one. Correct. One thing. And let's look at... Um, well, there's any number of other things that somehow get imported into our economy um, that interest rates will not control. And I, I just want to just broadly paint a picture for you. Yep. So if I'm driving my car and I'm driving my car uh, one petrol tank per week, I've got to buy petrol. Sure. I, I need my car for work. Yeah. So it's not something I can say, well, I'm not. I'm going to stop spending my money on that, okay, because interest rates are too high. I wonder whether at some stage that they will exclude from the definition or from the calculation of CPI at some stage, and I'm not talking about trim mean, I'm just talking about just generally excluded, things that interest rates, I'm talking about the RBA, things yes. that interest rates do not change. So interest rate changes, even if they put the interest rate down to 0.1 of a percent again at the official rate, I'm not going to go and buy more petrol. That's right, yes. It's not really correct. You know? You're just going to and from work and yeah, a little bit around correct. on the weekend. Correct. Yep, I yep, mean, yep. I, might, I might say, you know, oh. uh, I'm not going to drive on Saturday because I might try and save a half a day's petrol, but it's highly unlikely. Yes, yes. So, and there are a number of these items, like, you know, electricity into my home, you know, like yeah. the, the amount, amount of power I use. Correct. I mean, I might go around and turn the lights off, but it, it's marginal. You know, uh, amount of gas I might use, or I might decide not to have gas in my house. But the amount of gas I might use in my house, but things like council rates. If you've got your house, I've got to pay it, whether I like yeah, it or council, not. Mate, they put them up. There's nothing, nothing you can do to great. change that. that that's or insurance, unless you say I'm not going to have insurance, which of course no. But you have to have insurance. If you've got a mortgage, you've got to have insurance. Correct. You've got no so choice. When the insurance premiums, which have been going up a lot yep. this last uh, year or two, you you cannot avoid them. It's not like. Oh, I'm not going to go to a fancy restaurant. I'm going to save a couple hundred dollars a week by eating at home rather than going. That's a discretionary thing that you can change, and that's fine. But when these things, and I think you're touching on with the Saudi cutback in yep. production, that jump in petrol prices, the oil prices, it's a global issue. It's nothing to do with Australian demand, you know. And so I think but all also, the US demand but either. Also, so, but, which, of course, we talk about interest rate being a blunt instrument in terms of in controlling inflation. Yes. Is inflation a blind instrument in terms of uh, determining what we do in relation to interest rates. <laughs> I mean, it's two blind instruments. Yes, it's, 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 yes, it's the chicken and egg sort of story because that is actually a really valid point. Now, I know you said don't look at trimmed mean inflation because that trims out some of these volatile items. So, again, last year when the price of lettuce went up to $10 a lettuce because of the floods in, in Lismore and around the, the veggie-growing area of northern New South Wales, the RBA said, look, we're not going to hike interest rates because lettuce prices have gone up. But and I think that's fair enough. Again, yes. So that, I think it's absolutely appropriate because now they're back, buy lettuce. they're back down to 2 bucks fifty because yeah, they're also, growing but, again. But don't yeah. buy lettuce. Buy 
cabbage instead. Correct. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, go, yeah. go without yeah. lettuce. Yeah. But I can't yeah. go without petrol. I can't go without electricity in my house. Correct. And that and that's where the impact of things like petrol. And again, I'm old enough, and with all due respect, you're probably old enough to remember the mid '70s oil price shock. Central bankers there saw that when the when the OPEC organization of petroleum exporting countries got together and said, "Look, let's have a cartel. Let's stop. Let's restrict our supply of oil." And the oil price, if I remember correctly, went from like five dollars a barrel to twenty bucks a barrel, like a massive increase. Central banks saw this inflation coming, and they hiked and hiked and hiked interest rates. And we almost—I won't call it a five-year recession, but basically five years of absolute horrible economic circumstances from the mid '70s through to the early '80s because central banks were trying to control that inflation, which came from nothing to do with what you and I or the general public are spending on goods and services, and it cr- crunched the economy. It was an error, and that there's been a million and one <laughs> academic articles written on it now. Don't hike interest rates when there's one of these, what do we call it, exogenous shocks from something like oil. What you do, what, yeah, so the point right now, and this is a really interesting point, that this oil price bounce that we've seen in the last what two months, you know, two bucks twenty for a litre of petrol. Yes, I, you know, I fill up my car. I don't drive anymore, or less I drive, you know, for work and other things. Um, it it is at, impacting on CPI inflation. It will for the next couple of months, uh, but it's interesting. But just in this, since we met last time, not only of the RBA, but we've had the Bank of Canada, we've had the US Federal Reserve, uh, we've had New Zealand all being on hold. So they're saying, you know, and they're not silly, they're the ones who have learned from that experience, what, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and they're seeing this inflation come through, but they know that they've already got a lot of hikes in the pipeline. And another one they've already is, is going lot. to cause you or me to drive more or less and it won't put any pressure on oil prices. You mean they've put a lot of hikes in the pipeline already? They've already got, apologies, yes, they've yep. got a lot of hikes in the pipeline. Another one or two, no, we don't need it. We know that inflation is going to pick up because of that mechanical pass-through into the CPI, the inflation basket's going to be pushing up the inflation rate, but you don't tackle that with higher interest rates. And indeed, you know, all it will take is for one of these people in the OPEC cartel to say, hang on, Break yeah, because, because they're, they're not altogether good mates, all these people, even though they sort of act together, there's a bit of skullduggery that goes on. All it will take is one or two of them or the Americans themselves to, you know, ramp up fracking and these sorts of things. And the oil price will be back down. Whoops, we hiked interest rates and now the CPI has come back down. These oil prices are very fickle. They're very volatile. You don't hike or cut for that matter based on an oil price move. I get it. I understand it. But why can't the Reserve Bank make adjustments, adjust the inflation number, or more importantly, why can't the ABS break ranks and say our calculation methodology from now on is going to exclude certain things that we know everybody's going to have to do and no matter what happens we don't control the price of. Yeah. And, and like it's, I, I, it's, I know everyone's going to say, oh, you know, we don't like to interfere. We want, we want market forces to operate, you know, naturally, et cetera, et cetera. But it also creates quite a bit of tension and anxiety in the marketplace. It gives the media a whole lot of stuff to write about. Yeah. Uh, the media itself will create um, a whole lot of anxiety about, oh, well, the inflation's up, you know, is that many interest rates going to come up? Let, yeah. let's, let's, can we eliminate, when's the, where's the case for eliminating that question yeah. and even coming up? Like let's be oh. realistic about it. I mean, or, and when will someone ever do a review on how CPI is calculated? Ever? The ABS do it 
internally, but they and what they do, they base the weights. So petrol and lettuces and insurance and beef and vegetables and insurance, all that sort of stuff. They base it on the household expenditure survey. There's a similar argument that applies to tobacco. Yeah, only 10% of people smoke now, which is a very good thing. So smoking rates have come down. But the price of ciggies has gone up. I can't remember what they were, but they're about 40 bucks a packet. Yeah, 50 bucks. 50, whatever it is. I, I don't know. But because of tax. Now, again, the price of cigarettes has gone up massively. That feeds – and that, that they're in, cigarettes are in the consumer price yeah. index. They're in the inflation rate. But what the RBA does, of course, and that's a tax issue. So they're not going to hike interest rates because the price of ciggies has gone up because the government's saying we want – Fewer people to smoke, so we're going to. It's not because of demand. No, no, nothing to do with demand. In fact, demand's falling, but the price has gone up because of the tax. So, you strip. So, in theory, you should take out tobacco, and because so few people smoke as well, more people rely on petrol either directly, I drive for work, or indirectly because the big supermarkets and everything that's in a shop is brought in on a truck. And so the logistics companies, or on a plane, you know, the transport logistics companies, they're now starting to squeal because the cost of filling up your um, big truck full of diesel that goes between Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and Adelaide and Perth has gone up just because of what's happened in Saudi Arabia. So they're going to say, well, hang on, I'm not making any margin. I've got to put up my prices. So Coles and Woolies will have to put up their prices to cover these transport costs for a Packet of cornflakes. You know, cornflakes are exactly the same, but my transport costs have gone up, so I'm going to bump on 10 cents a packet, which, of course, is inflation. Well, and I guess what we're saying here is, therefore, it's not a very great science. The The science of, <laughs> of, of and, and or therefore the methodology around, I understand the philosophy around controlling inflation, but the methodology of calculating inflation against which we get interest rate increases or decreases for that matter, um, uh, which affect various parts of the, the economy differently, as we said right at the very beginning, the whole thing is inexact. It's not a very good science in my my opinion. And, you know, I, I think the conversation should be had. I mean, uh, we, all of us consumers, we just cop it in the neck. We, we just sit here, we take it, they, oh, there's the number, there's the read. There is no, yeah. they, they do not create a narrative between the consumer who feels the effect of it and those who create the effect. So has this ever happened anywhere in the world? Not really. Not that I'm aware of. It does come down, and again, uh, uh, I don't mean to be down on Philip Lowe as the last RBA governor who just recently left, but his communication was one of the problems that caused him to, you know, lose his job basically. Misfoot. Yes. Whereas people like Glenn Stevens, the prior RBA governor, even though he was a very dry sort of character, he explained things very well. And he got the Reserve Bank to publish more research articles on things like the inflation rate. And so if you look back, and I'm hoping Michelle Bullock, the new RBA governor, does that. I'm hoping she says to her research department, don't forget there's 500 economists. My yep. gosh, what the fun times they must have at lunchtime. But there are 500 economists. So Michelle Bullock, governor, you know, okay, economics team, I want you to listen to Mark. Can we put out a research paper that explains why inflation – okay, we've got a cost of living index, which should include petrol and cigarettes. Do people, Some people smoke some. 100%, yep. That's fine. But then can we also get together something different to the trimmed mean and these other esoteric measures, but get to something that is um, – what do we call it? A demand-driven – Price rise. 
price changes. Price change, yes, yeah. Demand-driven. As opposed so, to uh, uh, it's not driven by demand. Like Correct. It, yeah. So the price of, let's have a think about it for a second, and supply, of course. Mm. So the price of meat, the price of restaurant meals. So for, if you go to a restaurant and all know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Goes to a restaurant, they're not going to put up their prices. But if everyone goes, they're going to put up their prices and, you know, that's inflation. So it is demand-driven for things like that. So uh, and some people even argue house, pro- like established house prices, should have some weighting in the inflation rate. At the moment they don't. It's only the cost of building that's in the inflation basket. Cost of building. Yep. So the bricks and mortar and the timber and all that stuff that goes in, of course, the fridges and washing machines and stuff like that, they're in the inflation rate as they should be. But established house prices aren't. Some people say that should be in there because, you know, they're part of our cost of living. And But the Bureau of Stats say, oh, no, there's such an infrequent transaction. Most people don't buy and sell a house more than once every 10 years. So it's sort of a bit wrong to have it in there. So the, uh, getting back to the point, the RBA could easily, and they've got the people to do this, and they probably have it actually, they've got this work done, but they don't publish it, but put it out there. So Michelle Bullock or the new deputy, whoever that may be, give a speech every few months. Here's an update on our inflation thing. And what we're thinking. Not just the headline inflation rate or the trimmed mean. That's fine and that's good. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate those sorts of comments and uh, research from the RBA, but actually dig down into some of these other things that, you know, saying that, yeah, a rate hike won't impact the oil price. So we're not going to – so you can rest assured that, you know, because the price of petrol has gone up from, you know, buck 80 to 220 or whatever it is because of a Saudi – uh, production cut that is not going to impact our considerations for interest rates. And people are in the know then, and they can they can get less yeah. anxious. Yes, I mean for those. Or when the price falls back down, which it, it will one day. You well, know, they're we'll not going to put interest rates down. Not put down. No, 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 not putting down either because no. you know that's a that's a shock from outside yeah. Australia that's got nothing to do with our monetary policy. Sector. So, then, so my point therefore remains. Um, and I think the, your answer to my point is that, or your comment on my point is that this stuff probably does happen inside the realms of the RBA and behind the closed doors. Maybe the answer here is a bit more, tra- not transparency, probably not a good word because this suggests that there's lack of transparency. Maybe what we should be getting is more publications based on what they're doing, a little bit more conversation between us and the RBA around their thinking. I- I'd actually like to oh, see yes. go back into the ABS, the Bureau of Statistics, because I don't think they should be immune from this either. I mean, yeah. they, they I mean, I just think it's a poor excuse for statisticians to hide behind just statistics and not actually when statistics are used to change behaviour. Um, I think they should be responsible for the statistics that they produce in relation to the behaviour that they're going to affect. 
I think that's important too. And the new, well, relatively new, uh, that David Gruen's the chief statistician, the head of the Bureau of Statistics. He's been there for a couple of years. And during the COVID lockdowns, they changed a lot of data they collected to sort of uh, having very timely data on payrolls numbers and things. They don't get a lot of coverage in the media, which I'm disappointed about as an economist. I look at them. But there's little snippets of information. They don't have a long history. They've only been going a couple of years, so you can't really work out business cycles and things like that. But he's ramped up what the Bureau of Statistics does. And he's also ramped up a little bit some of the commentary. So there's a, okay, here's the data with all 50 pages of tables for people to look through. Um, but he's also put, a, for some of the important releases, put out a little press release. So whoever the person who compiles the data says, oh, this was the weakest retail sales number in two years and the drivers were, you know, Taylor Swift sale, ticket sales or, you know, something like that or black, what was, what's that thing called, black Saturday sales at the Black end of Friday. October. Black Friday. Well, apologies, I'm not a big shopper, as you can probably tell. November. No, end of November, yeah. So they, they identify stuff like that when there's a one-off special thing or even just when school holidays change because they sometimes fall in March or April. You yeah, know, they can, exactly. And that can change the March and April numbers because people spend more when they're on holidays than when they're at home or at work. So, yeah, they identify stuff like that. Great. So when I see a number, oh, wow, that was a really weak number. Oh, that's the reason. It's not as weak as it appears because... School holidays are in March, not April this year. It's nice to have it confirmed. Well, it well, is. Well, well, speaking of all that, let's get down to our real simple, this is pretty simple, straightforward decision-making um, table or and or criteria about where we think interest rates are going to go. Let's talk, let's talk about that now. Okay, the monetary policy checklist, Mark. And um, look, I think I'll start at the end again. Rates are on hold when the RBA meet next week. So GDP, we had it from the Bureau of Statistics that quarter-on-quarter quarter growth was 0.4% for two straight quarters, 2.1% uh, in annual terms. That's a little below trend, but it had to slow down. It's what the RBA wanted to see. So they'll be happy about that. So just, just to clarify, for the last two quarters, what has been the growth again? 0.4, 0.4, two consecutive okay, quarters. Okay, so like if you extrapolated and said nothing changes uh, for the year, we've got less than a 1% GDP growth. We've got it slowing to, yeah, one, one and a half or there, thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, that's low, but remember it was very high post-pandemic. Yep. So it's sort of what we had to happen. If we're sitting here in six months and it's still coming in at one, one and a half percent, that'll be in the easing column. Right. It's sort of the adjustment we had to have. Yep. I think so. Slow down we had to have, not the recession yep. we had to have, I hope. Inflation, look, I'm putting that still in neutral to tightening. It's come down. The big discussion we had on commodity prices will put a bit of a floor under the CPI. Not that it's going to change monetary policy thinking all that much, but it'll still have that elevated level because of oil. Yep. Even though non-oil inflation is continuing to fall, not only here in Australia but around the world. But what you're saying, Steve, is that, it's not going to allow them to reduce interest rates. No, but it's also not going to. It's 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 not. They'll excise it out of the, um, the decision making in terms of whether they should put it up or not. Put interest Perfect. rates up or not. Yes, yes. We're 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 not anywhere near a rate cutting cycle. I don't think yet. Yeah. And I think that's important for us to talk about. Yeah. That yeah, just because rates are not going up, it doesn't mean they're coming down. Okay, just the last two quarters. That would have been the last two quarters of last inflation. two quarters for the CPI. Well, the last one was a zero point eight. Yep which was the lowest in about three years because we had lots of 1.2s and 1.3s. So the 0.8 was actually, and if you annualise that, that's 3.2. So just above the top end of the target range, yeah. we get the next 
official CPI at the end of October, so we'll hopefully be able to talk about that next time. That's the next the next uh, quarterly The number. quarterly one, but to get the monthly numbers have gone, gone down below 5%. So all the figures 5%. are the 4.9 we had below yeah, 5. Yeah, yeah, 4.9 yeah. was yep. the monthly yep. annual CPI. Yep. So we've got it going in the right direction, but to get it to an easing, it needs to be well and truly in the 2 to 3% range, probably at the bottom end of that range, and we need some of these other things to be turning as well. Okay, right up. Labor market. Well, one thing that we had last uh, month in terms of the labor market numbers was confirmation of unemployment at 3.7. We had a big jump in employment, but there's, well, a school holiday effect, <laughs> according to the Bureau of Stats. So I'm putting that in neutral. I like low unemployment, so does the RBA, but it's stopped falling and it's creeping higher. The question means what is the question remains though is what is low unemployment? <laughs> yep. Last time we met, we went we went through the non-accelerating inflation rate of an yes. unemployment, Nairu, um, which they're talking about four and a half percent. The RBA would like to see it or have modelled it at four and a half percent at some stage. Uh, yes. So you know, at three point seven. Uh, that might be considered to be hyper unemployment, it's, hyper low in unemployment. It's very low still, but when we look at things like job vacancies, they're trending down. Yeah, and in fact, there's a very nice chart. I can't remember who did it. One of my <laughs> so many emails I get that showed the correlation between I think it was the Seek measure of job advertisements, you know, the Seek the yep. labour hire company, uh, and unemployment rate with a six month lag because labour markets like the old oil tanker. It takes a long time to turn around. But in six months' time, they're forecasting a 4% plus unemployment rate right, okay. if that correlation holds. Yep. Now, that's softening the labour market showing up in wages. We had wages numbers, again, 0.8. We're talking about wages growth index. Wage growth index, 0.8% quarter on quarter, 3.6 annual. Beautiful. It actually ticked down a little bit. And, yes, if you sort of waved your magic wand or your Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, just right. It. Happy, neutral, don't do not do anything. International economy, I'm going to put that more in neutral. I think last time I had it verging on easing, but the numbers just in the last month have been a little bit better than expected in the US. Uh, China seemingly has come through its weakness a little bit better. Things like commodity prices, which I'll touch on in a minute. In fact, I'll go to that now. I know it's not in order, but commodity prices have actually kicked higher. I'm going to put that in the neutral column as well, and that's because the global economy, the international economy, is a little better than most people were thinking. So those two things are well and truly in the neutral. You know, you don't cut because of them, you don't hike because of them, Because, but there's just this sort of um, interplay of forces going on right now. House prices still going up, the core logic numbers. You know, here we are, September's probably going to be another month-on-month increase close to 1% Australia-wide, Sydney stronger. Uh, Brisbane's pretty strong. Melbourne's going up but pretty weak at the minute. Uh, but you put house prices in neutral. The RBA is not worried about them yet, either up nor down. So we're getting a run of information in the middle here. Ah, retail sales. Shocking, weak. We're touching on that retail spending number. And while a few of the oldies are spending more money, oh, the, that big cohort of renters, people with a mortgage, people with real wages falling, they're, they're hunkering down. So retail sales numbers are drifting lower, and they have been for, what, six or seven months now. That's a consumer sentiment interlinked. Consumers are feeling gloomy, not just 2 bucks 20 a litre petrol and all these other things. Real wages, even though inflation's coming down and wages are going up, we haven't had the crossover yet. So who's, who's doing the surveys there? Who consumer uh, it's, it's, a, it's the uh, Westpac and Index NAB. of Consumer Sentiment. And NAB? Uh, NAB do business confidence. Right. 
That's uh, next. Which is down here. Oh, yeah, I'll go yeah, to yeah. business confidence. It's actually good. Yeah. And this is a strange, I'll put it in neutral because, again, you don't want to crush business confidence. One of the things that came through the GDP numbers, because GDP is made up of consumption plus investment plus government plus exports minus imports. You remember that accounting yep, mechanism sure from ECHO 101? Yep. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's, roughly that. that's um, the expenditure method. Of, correct. Yep. The expenditure method of GDP. The, the investment, the I, investment, Private sector investment was up eleven percent year on year, but it's also based on businesses it's, doing it's, well. It's also about <clears throat> we should just tell everybody business investment is non mining mining. So, Correct. so in terms of, can you just give us a quick breakdown of the yep. two? But, well, actually, mining's doing okay because the high commodity prices. But the the it's not the funny thing. The interesting thing is that there's a lot of non mining capex, and when you dig be- beneath what what are business in, investing their money in, there's a lot of machinery and equipment. A lot of IT stuff, of course, just to keep up with, you know, the ever-changing technology in the world. Firms have to ramp up their IT spending, so that's one of the things. The way we're changing our expenditure means that things like warehousing and logistics buildings, so the the building, non-residential building construction, in that area is strong. Hotels also very strong. Now, office towers weak. But bottom line, you add up all these components of what businesses spend on machinery, equipment, um, buildings, it's pretty good. So I'm happy with that and business confidence is good. We might as well move business investment then, Steve. And business investment, well, I wouldn't put it into hiking, but again, it's a good thing. You know, one of the things that we've had for a while is the poor productivity. One of the reasons why Australia's had poor productivity, we haven't had enough CapEx. You know, I'm reminded of an analogy. I use this one occasionally. If you're a mining company, you have a hundred hundred blokes, a shovel and a wheelbarrow. Go and dig out some iron ore. At the end of the day, you'll have a bit of iron ore. You spend a million dollars on a big digger with one person operating that machinery, you'll dig out probably a hundred times as much iron ore for one person. Your productivity is enhanced because you've invested in a digger. So that's how productivity comes through through business investment. Building approvals, shockingly weak. We're not building enough houses. I know the government's got that plan to build 1.2 million dwellings in five years. I wish them luck. The general, view, genuinely, is the general view is a general view they won't do it. Bloody hard to achieve. I, yeah, I, look, as, as I sit here now, I, if I'm a betting man, I'd say they won't achieve the 1.2 million. Now, have an objective, and if they can get state and local governments to ramp up and speed up their approvals process, the land rezoning issues... They might get close, but gee, you know, they've, you know, the cost of materials is still relatively high. You know, even though unemployment rate's creeping up a little bit, we've still got uh, a relative shortage of tradies, you know, the bricklayers and plumbers and sparkies that you need to build a house. So the building approvals are still really weak. Stock market's edged lower. I'm going to put that in neutral. It's choppy, you know, uh, the Fed going to hike, are they going to cut? You know, we've had the bond yield selling off and that's impacted negatively on stocks, but I'm going to leave that in neutral. Current interest rates, going to move to slightly easing because they are restrictive. And even Dr. Lowe, on his exit speech, said that interest rates are restrictive. And if the RBA say they're restrictive, they are restrictive. They don't understate this sort of thing. So when we look at this overall picture... It tells me we're not going to put rates up. We're not going to go put rates up. Now, again, as we've said every time we discuss this, the items at the top have a much heavier weighting than the items at the bottom. So GDP growth, inflation, the labour market and wages, they're really important. These are not unimportant, but they don't have as much oomph in the decision as these top few. And as you can see, they're only neutral or a slight tightening bias. So overall, when the RBA sits down to have a think about interest rates, uh, 
it'll be on hold and I dare say the statement they put out will cover a lot of the stuff. I, but but I think the majority of consumers, Steve, are beyond our interest rates going to go up. I think the majority of consumers, borrowers I think is probably a better way of putting it, are of the mind when are interest rates going to go down. I mean that, that, and yeah. what this is saying, this is not good news, this is – Okay, news. This is what I call okay news. So yeah. They're not going up, yeah. but they're not going down. And uh, no. because people need a lot of these people who are, you know, have negative consumer sentiment, a lot of people who don't buy stuff in retail sales, a lot of these people who are worried about their jobs, perhaps, you know, uh, yeah. if they're in the small business community, um, working for a small business, they're all starting to wonder whether or not the uh, Reserve Bank is going to put rates down and if so, when. Yeah, that's. Still a long time away. It's it's worth talking about, but it's not worth putting your hand on your heart and saying it's going to happen in the next three to six months. It'll be much later than that. I think we need, just to go back to this checklist, when we are here and we have got this one, the inflation button has to be well and truly in neutral. The GDP button's got to be weaker. Labor market's got to be weaker in wages. Only then will you get... The RBA. So that's what genuinely considering. We're not there yet. So if I was to put numbers on these. We need GDP to be, as we we're saying, one one and a half percent annual GDP growth. Inflation and consistent, like not. Like, oh, yes, yeah, not just a one-off one yep, quarter. Yep, it's yep. got to be there for several quarters. Yep. We need inflation again, not for one quarter, for several quarters to be two and a half percent. Yep. Labor market unemployment four and a half. Then they'd consider rate cuts. Yep. And wages growth. Well, it's th- three and a half. Fine. They would cut rates if 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 wages growth was there. But if wages were to pull back a bit towards 3, 2.75%, something like that, that would get them excited about cutting rates. So we're still, oh dear, let's have a think. We're still at least six months away, probably 12 months away from there being a genuine debate about a rate cut. But uh, for the moment, there's low probability, very low probability of a hike. Okay, give me one last, uh, one last, uh, you know, Nostradamus prediction. (laughs) Um, Yep. In terms of... Money markets, yeah. what are they telling us? Money markets telling us that there's, a, again, a slight possibility of a rate hike in the next few months. It's one of these questions that you say, if there is an interest rate move in the next six months, will it be up or down? It'll be up. Yep. But it's still less than a 50% probability according to money markets. And then when we get into the futures market, this is money yep. markets, yep. in the middle of 2024 through to the end of 2024 and early 2025, there's the possibility again of a rate cut being priced in. Only a moderate one, only one rate know, cut. We're only talking one, maybe two, depends on just the fickleness of these money markets. They're like the stock market, they bounce around every day. Uh, we're not talking rates going back to 0.1%, and nor do we want that. That was because we had a yep. he- horrible health pandemic, you know. Um, but so all I think that we're going to be having in the interest rate debate in, in coming months is we're on hold. What's the risk of a hike? low probability, when will the first cut be? It'll be later rather than sooner. And how aggressive will the rate cutting cycle be? Not much, but it'll be done to help cushion the economy against, you know, a a hard landing in terms of GDP and unemployment. So we might end up having a wage price index at three and a half. We might end up having inflation around three and a half. We might end up having, (laughs) um, and if we get two rate reductions, we might end up having the cash rate at 36 It'll be the three and a half story, which you know, and it'd be great. It'll be yes. Again, if if Michelle Bullock was to say, and I shouldn't say this publicly, in two years' time, I've been in the job for two years as RBA governor. I'll call it three. If she can get GDP at three percent, inflation at 
two and a half to three, or unemployment three and a half. Three's the number. Wages at three and a half. You know that she'll be. That'll be fantastic. Can she do it? Let's wait and see. There will, there will be a song about this. There will be, there not, not, not about one is the only one, but there will be, be some three song about is three. the loneliest number or yeah, the best number. Or the best number, yeah, something along right. those lines. I, I mate, if, they, if they get a th- if, if, if it's all three, 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 yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> you and I will write the song and sing it. You're on. You're on. I'll promise you. Thanks, Googie. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.